Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I firmly believe that if you gave me a suit of armor, I could convince Joe Rogan he traveled back in time in less than 60 seconds. And if you gave me an old looking calendar that said three on it really big, I could do it in 20. Hey, fun fans, it's We Enjoy, and all I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend. Come on, Eric. Oh, three Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Jay-Z and Beyonce. All right. I mean, uh, I know the just song gonna... exists because when I was reading the wiki page about the real Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> well, if you want, I could send the uh, the Sergey Gainsbourg Ridge of Ardo version, uh, their original Bonnie and Clyde song that was covered, covered, Eric, by Scarlett Johansson years later. Yeah. Because uh, you know she's got she does uh, sometimes those sultry loungy covers. Because she does, and then she, she has sang, a sultry uh, loungy voice. She, yeah, she sang uh, the "Trust in Me" song for the closing credits uh, and soundtrack of the Jungle Book she was in, and I liked that version. Oh, that's right. Who was she in that? The snake, right? The snake. Yeah, that's the because she doesn't the snake doesn't sing it. That movie was a weird sort of tiny it dipped its toes in being a musical yeah um, i couldn't decide I, I still really like that movie actually me too. But, but they decide. didn't have her sing in the movie but she sang the snake song in the closing credits we are the Manitude eric and as you can tell by my impeccable dulcet tones at the beginning we are doing uh bonnie and clyde this week in the main event uh my name is matt fowler say hello eric goldman hello everybody are you ready to talk about the oldest film that ever old olded um <laughs> well previously not ever old olded but no no previously podcast. uh we uh we have rarely done a movie from before we were born or even before we were 10 honestly <laughs> uh but right. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, up. we did uh the computer war tennis shoes which was uh 69 right nice and then um <laughs> we are doing uh bonnie and clyde this week from 1967 which was uh, very controversial for its time for the violence depicted and uh, also the juxtaposition of violence with sort of like really ridiculous Keystone Cops type comedy slapstick. Uh, very French new wave this movie was trying to pull off. But let's um, get into some entertainment news and then some mail and then some good things to enjoy before we get talk. The uh, uh, bank robin duo of Bonnie and Clyde as part of our killer couples a-thon here are sort of a are there, it's a, there, we're not doing a franchise, but we are doing the theme. We didn't know what the theme would be when we, we didn't, didn't know, Killer. We figured it out. <laughs> we just kind of went from there. And there's a Woody Harrelson connection here too, 
because actually watching this movie made me want to check out. I don't even think it got really good reviews, but the Highwaymen on Netflix with Costner and Harrelson. Right. I forgot about I forgot that existed. And then I yeah, same thing. I read about it on the wiki page. Went, oh, yeah. Kind of remember that. It's another Netflix movie with big stars. It isn't supposed to be very good. But but uh, in that case, Harrelson is part of the, you know, the duo who's after Bonnie and Clyde. So he's going he's tracking his own Mickey and Mallory. Yeah. Well, True Detective, he got to uh, also. Well, it wasn't a Mickey and Mallory, but, you know, no, no. I, well, just because anytime he's a cop doesn't mean I'm saying thematically <laughs> it fits with the couples. Um Okay, so uh, on the night, you know, some people were wondering, like, why is Marvel launching a, a trailer on a Monday evening during playoff football? Um, I Did they even say it was because it was the night of the wolf moon? I don't know. It was the night of the full moon. Uh, I was not aware of that, but it sounds good. <laughs> well, Eric, in January, the full moon is the wolf moon. All I know uh, is that it messed with my schedule, Matt. Because I was at the New Beverly to watch New York Ninja and Miami Connection. And I therefore could not watch the Moon Knight trailer. And or I could have watched it on my phone in between the movies, but I wasn't gonna do that. So I had to wait till I got home to I have to say, growing up in New York, very, very disappointed in uh, how many times I've seen an actual ninja and or <laughs> a turtle. Well, what about every Marvel superhero that you did not see? <laughs> I just assumed they were up. Like okay. they were fighting around. on the roof. Tops, yeah, like yeah. I just miss him or something sure, going through sure. the sky. Um, but yeah, so Moon Knight, the trailer inconveniently launched for anyone who has to cover the Moon Knight trailer <laughs> on Monday evening, possibly maybe perhaps to coincide with the full moon. And uh, I feel like this one will draw in some casuals mm-hmm. because of the Oscar Isaac factor. What do you think? I think so. And because it because it looks insane it looks, it looks actually insane. interesting well yeah. the wandavision got a lot of people who were casuals or marvel nevers or rarelys because it looked insane but interestingly insane um in a way that you know transcended like i'm i follow everything of the mcu it's important right uh, in a way that in a way that's like can interest somebody who doesn't want to just see a comic book origin story mm-hmm. yeah because look uh, we said this from the beginning a benefit of these shows is that they can go crazy. They can go weird in a way the movies cannot, both for running time and probably to try to be sellable around the world uh, to actually pay for a ticket versus like, I'll check this out on a streaming service. Though as Eric uh, found out on Twitter this week, um, Hawkeye probably had no problem with the global uh, <laughs> fandom, the passionate, fervent global fandom for Haley Steinfeld. I did. I have to tell that story now in a second to elaborate. But but uh, it was interesting because they, they had one other crazy show which was Loki, but that one was like so even more than WandaVision, like felt like immersed in MCU to go into it, you know, because it was like a character who died and this is an alternate version of him. Um, but no matter what, I, I do appreciate that these shows uh, can can get weird. And so Moon Knight, who is, you know, frankly speaking, the character that I've read some Moon Knight, I read, I read most of the book called Mark Spector colon Moon Knight. Uh, from the late 80s, early 90s. Yes, I had those too. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't read like a shitload of Moon Knight. Like I haven't I, read anything recent. Everything I know is from, yeah. I've re- I read a little bit ago. of the stuff from about 10 years ago that made him like where he looked all dirty and like his costume was all torn, uh, but not a lot. So, um, but yeah, so I, I, I liked this trailer was like leaning into the, like, you know, this, this is weird. This character is different. He's definitely doesn't feel like your typical superhero. 
Um, well, he's got a, a mental disconnect. He's got yeah. a dissociative personality disorder or something, if they're following mm-hmm. the comic books. Yep. Um, also, it's got the Ethan Hawke factor, or as Carol Goldman, your mother says, the ugliest man in cinema. Uh, Ethan Hawke uh, famously saying once, famously at once taken a swipe or a dig or a, a shot at superhero movies at some point. He probably dissed the MCU. I forget what his actual quote was. Maybe he even said, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll kill myself before I'll be in a Marvel <laughs> no, movie. No, I remember it was about, <laughs> Lo- he talked about Logan because he That's felt right, like, that's right, yeah. He was like, he was like, people were saying it was like the greatest movie and it was great for a superhero movie, but it wasn't like, he didn't feel like it was a great movie on its own. And, and yeah. this was when, you know, the Scorsese comments were really taken yeah. off. So, and everybody was super prickly about, hey, our superhero movies, which, uh, by the way, uh, no one needs to defend because no, yeah. nothing <laughs> exists at the multiplex. We're anymore, fine so. if certain famous people don't like them, guys. <laughs> but they got them. They got the hawk. Um, they got, it's also course, interesting because from a personal I, request by his neighbor, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> I would just say, did he literally like walk next door, like knock and be like, hey. I believe they saw each other at a coffee shop, which was a regular occurrence. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that story. That's so cool. Um, I just I just think it's weird for Ethan Hawke in particular because he does so much genre stuff. Mm-hmm. He does so much sci-fi and horror, horror in particular, but right, like right. that... I, would he say something like that's a great movie great but great for a horror movie would he say that i don't know Maybe ah, he would. Ah, ah. um oh, but then again those weren't done on a favor to oscar isaac <laughs> yes uh, so, so <laughs> we've got the the trailer playing and for the most of the trailer uh this character is named steve which we may assume from the comics is Stephen grant though here he's british and sort of inept and in the yes. comics he was sort of like a suave millionaire um then we learn like that he's he knows something's wrong with him enough mm-hmm. to like chain himself to the bed, but he's also not aware of his Mark Spector personality, who's a mercenary. And it's with Mark Spector is the personality that like was the one that was in the the Egyptian tomb and was betrayed by his fellow Merc. And if you're going by like the old origin story and like connected to the moon god, I don't remember the moon god's name. Uh, the because he was the fist god. of Kanushu. That was another one of his comics. Was Moon Knight, fist of Kanushu. Is it Kanushu? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm just saying things. That sounds good. I'll go with Kanushu. Sure. Um, or soon, but you know what? Kanushu? I know. Soon the TikTok teens will all know how to say it. We'll say the Kanushu. <laughs> and then, um, uh, God bless the TikTok teens. Every one of them. Uh, so <laughs> that's my prayer every day. <laughs> but then his costume looks supernatural in this too, because it sort of wraps around him like a mummy, you mm-hmm, know, sort mm-hmm. of like morphs around him. And again, I haven't read enough of the comics to know if that's actually from an iteration or a story. Um, uh, we do see a, you- we do see a glimpse of Khonshu or Kanushu because it's like a dude with a bird head that's sort of you know an Egyptian god style bird head, but in a suit. Um, I can't. I, I, none of the comics I read gave him a. Um, uh, magic costume, but that's not to say he didn't get one later. Uh, I do remember when the West Coast Avengers went back in time to ancient Egypt, and we found out that several of Moon Knight's weapons were made by Hawkeye. Like, they were created by Hawkeye while the Avengers were in the past, left behind, and one day they would be used by Moon yeah, Knight. Yeah, so, like, we know that uh, um... Uh, Sharon Carter's on the series where, you know, we don't know how it, it's going to connect do? to anything. I else. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Van Camp's in it. 
Um, and uh, look, you're, this is news. You're breaking. You're scooping me. <laughs> and uh, I, I just went by IGN slideshow. <laughs> like who's in the cast? <laughs> and it said she's in it. So because I believe this is again one of those cases where the only people announced are. Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, and then anyone you glimpse in the trailer. But well, I'm course, not saying like officially yeah. announced by Marvel. Um, yeah. But and then we've got Gaspard Ulil as Midnight Man, who tragically just perished. And he was like, what, 33 years old? 37, I think. But 37. Yeah. He died because of injuries due to a skiing accident. And we're recording this on Wednesday. So two days after the trailer. And I think he died today. Uh, so super sad. I mean, he's just a young actor. Uh, a lot of people knew him as young Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal Rising. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, reportedly, and it's probably right, um, is the villain Midnight Man from the comics. Uh, but yeah. And then we've got Ethan Hawke playing a character that I don't know if it's from the comics or not, or could be like he's a, from one issue of the comics. So they're definitely doing their own thing. They're using a name from like one issue from the 80s. And, you kinda... know, fans are wondering if Bushmen or Sun King are in it, but who knows? And is this six eps? Um, I don't know if they said for sure, but I think the assumption is. Um, yeah. Oh, a safe is. bet. Yeah. All right. I, mean, I think it looked properly insane. You know, it's and it looks like the type of project looks like the type of hero project that would interest someone like Oscar Isaac. You know what I mean? Right, like right, right. it's something that's like it's, it can't just be like, oh, I touched a moon rock and now I'm I have powers. It has to be a, something a little more off kilter. Uh, and a little more interesting for, you know, an actor who's, again, obviously in a mega Star Wars trilogy, but also is n- mostly known for like smaller indie stuff uh, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, you know, sort of attract him into that, especially I would say following the Star Wars movies and a lot of the cast dissatisfaction with how that all sort of came together in the end. Um, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, no, I, I thought it looked really cool. And Certainly the fact that they're leaning into like him having the different personalities, which is a key component, but as you said, also something that would attract Oscar Isaac. And by the end of the trailer, when, you know, he's getting the phone call, you know, saying Mark and he doesn't know who that is, but it's him. We know Mark Spector. It's like, okay, what's the deal with the accent he's doing? Well, the accent he's doing is probably not Mark Spector's accent. You know, it's like that right, is the right. Stephen personalities accent and Mark Spector probably sounds like Oscar Isaac, I'm betting, um, or a lot more like him. Or he's like, hello, this is Mark. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Mark Spector. Um, where's, the, where's the streetwise cabbie, Eric? Well, yeah, because that's Jake. Uh, that's his other prominent personality. Uh, I, there was, I saw people were speculating if Jake. I think I even saw Jake Lockley was trending on Twitter as people speculated if we were spotting him in the trailer or not. So, yeah, I'm in on the Moon Knight. Uh, it's got me. And I uh, can't wait. Uh, when is it? What? March? What? March 30th. 30th. Uh, so uh, there will be a, um, a multi-week break between Boba Fett ending and this. Uh, again, I think eventually they want to have pre- almost every week Star Wars or Marvel. It's going to take a while for them to get there. I noticed that in February they're going to have assembled episodes for both Hawkeye and Eternals. And, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a behind the scenes. Well, now you can tell your tweet story. Boba Fett. Oh, tell my tweet story. I just thank you for reminding me. Simply that, um, uh, you know, we get these press releases that are talking about like streaming services and what's coming next month. And Disney sends out one for Hulu and Disney Plus. That's kind of like the it's like an early combined one, but you can get a lot of dates first on that list. So I was reading through it and I was just tweeting out some of the dates I knew would be of interest. 
And I saw that there was a Hawkeye assembled episode that assembled as those behind the scenes specials they do, which are about an hour documentaries. Hawkeye won December, I'm sorry, February 9th, uh, Eternals February 16th. I tweeted that out. That's all I tweeted with no other context. I didn't know the context because I didn't know that Hawkeye was originally announced for today, the day we're recording this. It was going to come out on um, January 19th. And I guess they delayed it a few weeks. Um, and, you know, I think most people would be like, oh, either they like, oh, they delayed it or I went, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Too bad they delayed it. But what I stumbled into by tweeting that out and it became an extremely popular tweet. And I think it's got like 3000 likes now. Uh, and I would never expected this to be a tweet that took off. I kept being retweeted and quote tweeted. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. By extremely upset young female Haley Steinfeld fans. From around the world or like weird clone accounts of like fan account i whether they're real or not you still got bombarded a, a, a healthy amount i think were real but it was just very funny because there was italian and portuguese and spanish french the just full distraught, yeah. distraught uh how, this is you know my, my life is over this is all i was this is all i was waiting for how dare they you're cursing out Marvel, cursing the world. Um, they just, they needed new Haley Steinfeld. I, I have some of your, your text to me of like what the <laughs> tweets are. Uh, right. I'm going to die. It was supposed to come out tomorrow. Yes. That, that was from, that was French in Spanish. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to burn everything. And then <laughs> right. Italian. What's on February 9th. I lived only for this. I think yeah, these are translations of these are, these are, and yeah. then the best one, the best one translated from Portuguese. Yeah. February, I thought it was tomorrow. My brightness disappeared. Yes, which I hope is exactly what they said, and that's not a weird translation. <laughs> um, and it's just funny to see a like, localization. Yeah, uh, I understand she's you know got a, a following, but it's just that thing of like the hyper specific following someone has and realizing, like, you know, casting her in Hawkeye. It's, you know, it gives this whole new avenue. And I mentioned how like Only Murders in the Building is a funny show because it has Steve Martin and Martin Short, people who literally decades of comedy, but then it has Selena Gomez. And I see Steve Martin tweeting out his photos from the set of season two. And if Selena's in them, 
all the responses are Selena Gomez fans that are so happy that they're getting from Steve Martin. <laughs> they're getting like new Selena content. Just a picture. Just a picture <laughs> right. of Selena Gomez. There she next. is sitting on the set. Look, everyone, <laughs> look at Selena Gomez and she's doing stuff. <laughs> or she's not doing anything. She's just yeah, they could be like the uh, the Madman promo pictures, like Don hails a cab. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Pete looks at the wall. That's Roger enough, takes man. the elevator. Yeah. Like, That's enough. And then uh, that was funny today because Haley Steinfeld just like posted a picture of herself in a bikini. And I'm like, well, see, there's some there. Haley's yeah, giving you something there. That's that's more than her just sitting around on set. And it's it's not a Hawkeye assembled special. But look, guys, she she cares about her fans. So, All right. Uh, does Moon Knight know the Eternals? Does he actually are we going to find out the Hawkeye built his weapons? We don't know. We'll find out when when Moon Knight debuts on March 30th. Now, on to the real main event here. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of buried the lead um, for um, all of 2022 so far, by the way. This is the best news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is great news. Fandom worlds collide in one of the most ridiculous and best ways when we learned this week that, okay, bad news first. Roku TV. All right. <laughs> uh, is, <laughs> well, guess what, Matt? You can watch it because I, I can. You were Roku. No, I can. <laughs> I could have watched it anyway because I, it's just the Roku TV is in my son's room, so I'd have to go in there to like watch all my Roku content. But now, sure. thanks to Eric, I can watch Roku anywhere. I can take <laughs> Roku with me. You could. Um, Daniel Radcliffe was Harry Potter for a decade. Not familiar. Mega successful movie franchise, one of the biggest franchises in the history of cinema. Uh, financially set for life, unless he was like a crazy messed up person which he is not <laughs> so financially who like mo- who like a lot of kind of get like robert pattinson too except that yeah. now he's batman like following these huge paydays from these big successful eh, ya i could call harry potter franchise mm-hmm. um now, now just works when they want and do does what they want like we mentioned that he's doing like a uh He's been on that TBS series, was like Miracle, Miracle Workers, Workers for yeah. like three. It's and then it became after the first season an anthological show, like a seasonally anthological show that uh, we didn't even know it was going to be when it started. Right. Um, right. He is going to play uh, America's poet laureate, Weird Al Yankovic, in a Weird Al Yankovic biopic. Yeah. <laughs> Written by Weird Al. Weird, by Weird Al called <laughs> Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story, um, which is now in the works at Funny or Die will focus on the life and career of award-winning musician Weird Al Yankovic, who is known for his cutting pop culture parodies. Um, Weird Al Yankovic is no stranger to the multiplex, by the way, because he also starred in and wrote UHF from 1989, which maybe mm-hmm. we'll have to do a main oh, event yeah. on at some point. It's got Fran Drescher in it, my wife's favorite actress. <laughs> so this is amazing. No statement from Radcliffe. Like the press release had statements from like uh, the producer's director, Weird Al Yankovic himself. Well, and Weird Al was very funny because he said something about like, this will be the role Daniel Radcliffe will be remembered for or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I don't, you know what? You know what? I'll be waiting to prove wrong. I'm going to wait to see what happens. Now, Radcliffe hasn't said this, but everything I know about Radcliffe, aside from just doing quirky projects, like playing a farting corpse with a boner, is that he is a lyrics nerd, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Like who, by the way, also loves Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. 
Um, he is a lyrics nerd because I don't know if you've seen some of his talk show appearances over the years. On Fallon, he rapped Black Alicious's alphabet yes. aerobics. Yes. And then on that. the Tom Norton show, he sang Tom Lehrer's The Elements. And these are both <laughs> really complicated, fast lyrical mm-hmm. songs that take a lot of memorization and a lot of also practice to get right, like just saying it to the rhythm and the beat and everything. So I am convinced that he can sing the fast part of Hardware Store. <laughs> I think he can do it. Weird Al fans out there, you know what I'm talking about with Hardware Store. Um, <laughs> one of his non-parody songs, uh, which is about just a hardware store in town and how excited he is about it. Eric and I are huge Weird Al Yankovic fans. Huge. For those who don't know him or know him and don't like him. Uh, may I offer you exhibit A? Um, there was a song <laughs> called work. I Want a New Drug. But in Weird Al's version, he says, I want a new duck. <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, I recently so I was talking to you. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast. Or not, I didn't know he did um, Grapefruit Diet, his parody of Zoot Suit Riot. <laughs> I haven't even heard the song. Uh, um, Exhibit B, Exhibit B, he takes La Bamba. It's lasagna. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so good. Instead of Rico Rico Suave, it's It's Taco Taco Grande. Grande. Which which, which, um, leads me to one of my favorites. Stories that Weird Al has uh, uh, told a, a couple times over the years because he did. Weird Al doesn't necessarily need to get artist permission for what he does, like the legal loophole state. He doesn't legally does. have to, but but yeah. he likes to. Weird Al Yankovic is a kind and gentle and giving. He's one of the quote unquote nicest people in the in the entertainment business, right? Like you hear about these people. He's um, kind of animals. He's vegan, I believe. Um, just a gentle soul. He doesn't work blue. He you know. Um, but so he does ask for permission and usually he gets it. I know there was a, 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 a hullabaloo with Coolio who's Coolio gave his permission, but then after the fact sort of like took it back. And then famously Prince never gave him permission, which is why he Prince never him. gave him. So yeah. he didn't do it. Yeah. He could have, yeah. but he, he could have, but he didn't. Yeah. Um, man, he could have raspberry sorbet, Eric. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot he could have done. <laughs> but so, so he, he actually did ask Kurt Cobain for mm-hmm. smells like teen spirit. And all Kurt wanted to know is if it was going to be about food. And he said, no. Well, he kind of about- said, it's not, it's, it's not going to be, he was, Kurt was like, it's not going to be another food song, will it? And he said, no. <laughs> he's like, no, no, it's going to be about how many, how nobody can understand what you're saying. And he's like, oh, okay, that's good. That's right. fine. <laughs> because a lot of the songs, as we just, as I named a few. And I named food. <laughs> yes. And so tired. much so that he has, Weirdo has an entire compilation album called the food album yes. with just his food parody songs. <laughs> Well, Edith was kind of his breakthrough hit. Um, I mean, Edith and Fat are both about food. So. I know it's a continuing story. Um, yeah, this is all fantastic. I didn't know actually till you mentioned it, Matt. I'd somehow missed that. Funny or Die Productions is behind this, only because the one funny thing about the well, many funny things about this, but several years ago, Funny or Die did a parody trailer of a Weird Al Yankovic biopic. And the whole thing was like, you know, being a parody of a biopic showing him like unhinged and, you know, doing the whole arc, like, you know, like Walk Hard parodied of where you go with these movies. Um, and Aaron Paul played Weird Al. And yeah, I remember, okay, I remember that. I do. And, and with the real Weird Al had a cameo in it. 
Um, anyway, so it is funny that like they it's like that turned in like that ended up being like a concept trailer, I guess. And now they're doing the real thing. Well, I mean, maybe that got him started writing this. Maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now it's done. And then um, all he had to do was meet up with Daniel Radcliffe and Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in a coffee shop and ask him, if he, <laughs> which one of what you a, three wants to play me? What a, what a day at the coffee shop that <laughs> yeah. was. And like uh, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke take a step backwards and Daniel Radcliffe's left standing in front. It's like, They're oh, like no. we, we, we're talking to Kevin Feige about something. We'll have to get back to you. All right. Uh, let's. I'm going to briefly just say that the Lord of the Rings series is called uh, Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power, uh, mm-hmm. which is Amazon's enormously expensive Lord of the Rings show, uh, which is set during the Second Age of Middle Earth's history, which is not really written about in the Tolkien books, except chronicled in his the appendices of the books. Um, and uh, yeah, so it takes place thousands of years before everything we've seen in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. And Eric could not care less. Um, but I am going to, before this show, I think I'll rewatch the movies. So maybe we can do them on this podcast, Matt. We can discuss. Uh, no, I don't want to hear you shit talk them. <laughs> not, I don't hate them. I'm not like, I'm not like these are worthless. <laughs> I am so precious about the, the Hobbit movies. You can You're watch. what, Matt? Precious. <laughs> uh, the Hobbit movies you can drag through the mud. Well, that one I only remember seeing the first one. Cause yeah, that was not. Uh, <laughs> although the, I would argue that the second one is the best because of the smog element, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, none of them. That's like calling <laughs> Mo the smartest stooge. Um, yeah, anyway. Oh. Uh, no, Lord no, of the just... Maybe. I mean, we could have done that for our killer couples. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> road trip movies. Um, we just do that. We just do Fellowship of the Ring and Road Trip. <laughs> and Euro, and Euro <laughs> that, Trip. That's the series. That's the yeah, trilogy. That's it. Um, all right. Um, because I, I just I'm not going to dive into the Lord of the Rings news too much because I don't want our Bonnie and Clyde episode to somehow be our longest one. Sure. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Matt Fowler, the Eric Goldman. We enjoy podcast uh, on Patreon. You can uh, for two dollars a month, you can get a commercial free version of this podcast. You can message us on Patreon, on Twitter or at we enjoy podcast at gmail.com. We have a few messages this week. One is uh, the subject line is comic books to enjoy question mark. This is from Daniel who writes, Hey, Matt and Eric, longtime fan of your podcast. I used to listen to channel surfing on IGN all the time and was sad to see it go. So happy to have found we enjoy. Thanks for the hours of podcasting entertainment. I'm hoping you can give advice on a different good thing to enjoy comic books. I like comics, but I don't have much time to read them. As a result, I find myself mostly liking comics that are contained stories that don't require knowledge of complicated backstory and hopefully come to some sort of conclusion. For example, I'm a big fan of Old Man Logan, Long Halloween, Marvel's Nights, uh, colon Spider-Man, uh, The Killing Joke, etc. I'm looking for to find more Marvel contained stories. Any suggestions? Uh, Daniel, I'm going to turn this one over to Eric because I've been out of the comic book game for a long while, though I did watch the two part movies uh, for Long Halloween a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I go, I jump in and out so dramatically. And right now I, I, I say, I'm not out. I'm not like, I'm, I'm willing to read them. I just haven't been lately. Although I think I'm actually going to try to read some uh, some Moon Knight to uh, bone up before the new one. And, and I don't know, you know, you mentioned enough title. What was a person who wrote this, his name? Daniel. 
Daniel. Daniel, so you wrote, you know, you mentioned a few good titles here. So it seems like you have been dabbling enough. Like one I off, you know, well, okay, there's, here's a couple I feel like I can always recommend to people if you haven't read them already, which is Runaways, the original Runaways, which is usually collected together as like one volume, like the first Omnibus or the first collection, it's 18 issues, I believe, the Brian K. Vaughn uh, first run, which doesn't have like a definitive ending. In fact, it continued on after, but I feel like, is a really cool story in and of itself, uh, just where it goes, um, you know, if you, whether or not you saw the TV show or not, but the basic setup of uh, a bunch of kids find out that their parents, uh, they're a bunch of kids who've been longtime friends because their parents have been friends, find out that their parents are super villains and uh, kind of where it goes from there. Uh, that's a really fun one. And then I, uh, if you're into a little more adult content, back when Marvel was doing their Max line, which had like already material, which right now they're not doing and probably never will again. Uh, but the original Alias comic, which is where Jessica Jones comes from. Um, and uh, it was called Alias, yes. And that was, I think, I think it lasted 27 issues. Again, there's like the Omnibus collection or a couple different trade paperbacks. Um, and again, the character went on to do more in Marvel, but you know, you can just read those stories and not feel like, oh my God, like this is, this is just part of a small story is telling its own thing. Um, the TV show pulled from it, of course, in some big ways, uh, whether or not you saw that with some, with the main villain, the first season, but just a really cool book that gets into sort of like, you know, because her character, uh, and something I wish the TV show had done more of, um, that if a show could have done a case of the week, it's that one. Yeah. Which is, she had more like actual PI work or whatever. Right. It's her being a private eye in the Marvel universe who works on kind of low rent superhero connected um, you know, um, um, cases. So it's like, you know, you're not going to go to her if you need to stop Ultron, but if you feel like a third rate supervillain is ripping you off or conning you or something, you might call her. Um, and it's just kind of a fun, cool, noir uh, comic for that reason. So those two are two of my regular uh, go-tos. After that, I'd have to think on it more because yes, once we get into the Spider-Mans and the Hulks of the world. Yeah, because it's uh, been a while. I did read Long Halloween, but a long time ago. So watching the movie version, I was like, I remember some of this. Um, right, right. Uh, would- a long time ago, I read and liked... Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know what, what your tastes run, Daniel. Uh, if you like Frank Miller or not, he runs very hot or very cold with me. Uh, I liked Electra Assassin. Uh, Arkham mm-hmm. Asylum, too. Um, I know that you were looking for Marvel stuff, but yeah. yeah. But, you, but you mentioned Batman things. So Batman seems to always be the exception, even if someone's a huge Marvel fan. So <laughs> Right. And you mentioning Long Halloween... 
is making me think about Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale and all the books they did together. And they did a bunch of miniseries for Marvel that were all kind of like year one-ish looks back that were all really cool. Uh, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray. They were all like this sort of color theme um, that they did. Um, and I'm blanking on the others, but there were more. Um, uh, I think Daredevil Yellow, which makes sense um, if you know his first costume in the comics. Um, yes, uh, those those were all cool. Marvels, um, Kurt Bosiak and um, Alex Ross's um, sort of, uh, that was a big, big point for comics when that came out and Alex Ross giving his like painted style in a very like, here's what it would look if people walked around in these costumes and not the movie versions with the cool armor oh, yeah. plating Speak- and all that. <laughs> Speaking of Alex Ross, uh, Kingdom Come, again, DC. But um... Yeah, that's a great one. Um, oh, you know, actually, and speaking of Kingdom Come, I'll go to an old Marvel story that I always recommend, which is 1985's uh, 12-issue miniseries, or maxi-series, as they some called it, Squadron Supreme, uh, characters that appeared before and after this series, but this is their definitive story. And Squadron Supreme were basically created as a goof by Marvel to be like, it's clearly the Justice League. Like if you look, you know, it's like, oh, Nightwing, uh, he's uh, not Nightwing, Nighthawk. <laughs> Nighthawk, he's Batman and Hyperion is Superman and Power Princess is Wonder Woman. And they were mostly just used for these quick one-off stories. They were alternate reality characters. But the 12 issue series from the mid eighties was a very serious, like, you know, because and because it was set in an alternate universe, they could kind of get grittier and do more interesting things that sometimes the mainstream comics can do and the most and one funny thing about squadron supreme if you read it now and you read kingdom come is it kind of predicted things that would happen in kingdom come which is a real dc story with the real dc heroes but there's some funny parallels i don't think they consciously ripped them off um but where the squadron supreme are the ripoff characters they kind of did some things that later on those the characters they were ripped off from would also do so that is one i recommend um Thank you, Daniel, for writing in. I hope that helps. I hope that's giving you some um, some good things to enjoy mm. reading edition. Uh, we also have another uh, email this one time from Mike in San Antonio. His uh, subject line is 2021 best of. Um, he writes, we enjoys. Big agree with Eric on licorice pizza. Definitely my favorite of 2021 as well. You two hit on most of my faves from the last year, but I was wondering if you had thoughts on a couple I loved you didn't name. The Tragedy of Macbeth and Red Rocket. P.S. Can we also have, can we has, he wrote H-A-Z like cheeseburger style. Can we has Royal Rumble podcast? Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I do believe we will bust out the We Enjoy Wrestling podcast for the Rumble in the two weeks. The a good one to do it for. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, the big fours. Plus, I, I don't... plus, when we do those, we can do a little state of wrestling. <laughs> I, so... I, I got sidetracked side quest here on this a lot going to wrestling uh, a lot of people are talking about how there's going to be like it could be ring of honor or AEW, or is cody rhodes going to be in the royal rumble like they're calling it the forbidden door of like wwe like letting in because Other promotions because because right now impacts wrestling uh knockouts champion mickey james is going to be in the rumble as impacts not impact wrestling's knockouts champion with the title belt and all that coming into her entrance theme. I, I believe her actual song that not her um, WWE entrance theme, but like her hardcore country impact wrestling theme. How can people keep talking about the forbidden door? Like who's going to cross through the forbidden door at the Royal Rumble? Eric, it sounds so 
pornographic. It sounds very pornographic. It sounds like butt stuff. And, it, it, <laughs> and like anyone who says it does, it's like, who will, who do you want to see cross through the, for, go through the forbidden door this Sunday night? And I'm like, right. are you? At first I was like, oh, Matt, we got to stop talking about wrestling. No one who's, who knows who's the hell we're talking about. But but now I'm glad you did because. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, because you see it too, right? It's not just oh, yeah. No, no, okay. no. I agree. I completely agree. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, Mike, I have not seen Tragedy of Macbeth or Red Rocket, though I would like to. Uh, I haven't seen Tragedy of Macbeth. It's on the list, um, but uh, I have seen Red Rocket and I liked it a lot. Um, it's one of those movies that it's interesting because it's so very consciously about a terrible person. Um, and so it, it's like, you know, and there's times where you're like, oh, this guy, like, you know, it, it's not giving you any kind of rope about like, you know, you, know, you, you see he's charismatic. So it's like, it's, it's kind of explaining him a little to you. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, his defense that he's kind of like a dumb golden retriever. Like, is that like the he, one saving grace he has, you know? I like, guess, I guess so. But uh it's uh yeah it's but I really liked it uh yeah it's it, I it also holds it. a little different context uh, uh Mike I don't know how old you are but for Eric and I who grew up with Simon Rex as an MTV like personality and VJ oh yeah uh, to see him get his like uh his um chewy indie film you know like and, and, this- to, and to do the cover of THR with you know, Nicholas Cage, Jonathan Majors, yeah. Andrew Garfield. I can't remember the other guy. Like all the people who are up for who are rewards potential. That was amazing. Because Simon um, Rex was like in league with like Eric Nice, you know, right. sort of like and, and uh, the, the, him, thing, the himbo, right? Like and, and now he he's the, playing a himbo. He had the later scary movies as his one kind of big claim to fame in cinema. That's so, right. He uh, was in those, wasn't he? Yep, yep. Um, anyway, so yeah, I uh, I really like that. But I'm glad that this um, email came in because I forgot one of my favorite movies of last year when I put my list up and it was bugging the hell out of me like 10 minutes after we finished recording. Oh. The Last Duel. The Last Duel, uh, I forgot to mention. Oh, was, Last yeah. Duel. Yeah. Uh, Which well, had been one of my thing, good things to enjoy. Was, but you I did forgot. recommend yeah. it. You did recommend mm-hmm. it. Uh, uh, and um, as we know, as we know, uh, millennials killed the last duel. If you ask Ridley Scott, <laughs> if you ask Ridley Scott, who needs to go on tour with Brian Cox in the "I Say What I Want," who, what the fuck are you going to do? I'm old and talented. Just um, <laughs> tour. Uh, what did he say? It's like everyone's so used to looking at their phones. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I don't, it was a stupid, stupid statement, but he made a great movie. All right, uh, <laughs> our good things to enjoy. Uh, you go first. Uh, my good thing to enjoy is, um, uh, you know, kind of. Pivoting off of, uh, well, a couple weeks ago now, um, but recent uh, movie talk, or I guess actually just last week, what am I talking about? Um, Scream 5, or Scream as they're calling it, is in theaters now. We had a whole conversation about it on an episode you should listen to if you've seen that film, uh, special episode. But that film was the uh, new feature film from the group called Radio Silence. That is a trio, two directors and executive producer who make films together. Um, and their first feature length film, I believe, I hope I'm not forgetting something before that, because they worked on shorts and VHS and stuff like that before, um, is Ready or Not. And I definitely, we both mentioned this movie in passing for sure, especially talking about Scream, but uh, it's my good thing to enjoy this week. I love this movie. It is one of, as I mentioned, I believe on that Scream episode, it was one of my very favorite movies of 2019, the year it came out. Um, I just, uh, you know, it was one of those times where I, I went to a press screening and was just so freaking happy 
uh, like the movie ended and I was just like, yes, like this, this is exactly my shit. Um, by the way, I'm a total liar because Radio Silence had made a feature film, at least one before Devils Do. And uh, oh, South Band uh, is another anthology they worked on. But anyway, let's talk about Ready or Not, uh, which is the movie that did not introduce me to Samara Weaving because she was on a couple episodes of Ash versus Evil Dead. And I, I've seen her in a couple other things too. I've always liked her, except the new G.I. Joe movie. Oh, no, no. I mean, this new G.I. Joe movie. Was Why was she so bad in that? I mean, the he movie was bad in it, so but it was a terrible movie. And uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, she's great in this, um, which, you know, if, you know, this was a small under the radar movie, although it made money, um, especially on its $6 million budget, it made 57.6 million, uh, worldwide. So that's great for that kind of movie. Uh, but yeah, that she plays this young, it all takes place on one night. It is the night of a wedding and she is uh, a woman who comes from a little, little money, um, low class. If, you know, if you're going to be crass. Uh, not not you know not a low class person, but she just come for money. But she's marrying into a lot of money, um, and she's marrying into a family of rich weirdos. And on the night of their wedding, her husband kind of springs on her that there's this silly family tradition that they uh, all play a game. They kind of have to pick which game it'll be. They don't know going in which one it'll be, and they do whatever it says. And it turns out her game is hide and seek. And you know, again, the hook of the movie is. Guess what? It is uh, an insane, murderous version of hide and seek where the, everyone in the family is supposed to try to hunt and kill her. And she has to make it to sunrise uh, to uh, survive, to earn her life. Um, and so it's a very high concept movie. And it is, you know, it, it knows it. It is comedic. It's got a comedic bent. It's not goofy. This is the reason. But if you watch this movie, it's like why when these guys were hired to do Scream, it's like perfect. Because like Scream, it is playing like you know for real like the death and the stakes but it's winking at you it's having fun with what it's doing the whole time um really fun movie really fun cast uh, henry zerny kittredge from mission impossible is the patriarch of the family andy mcdowell is the matriarch of the family um adam brody who's always very funny is very funny and cool in this um, I was thinking about how with this and Scream 4 he's in two beloved horror comedy tinged movies um, and uh, Jennifer's Body, which we did a breakout on. With, uh, and Jennifer's Body, of, that's right. A, a main uh, event on, yeah. Got a whole trilogy here. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I love this movie. It was, it was just one of those, like, just like I said, when I watched it, because I thought the trailer looked really cool, but you never know. And then Trish and I went to see it at a screening and we both freaking loved it. And then I became, like, you were talking about how I do that thing of, like, getting people to watch movies. Yeah, I yeah, them. you take this, them to watch them. Yeah, This yeah. was a big one for me. Like, you gotta see Ready or Not. Uh, I'm looking at the poster, you can't see it, Matt, because it's off to the side, but I've got the poster. I mean, right I can, I can look at it whenever I want. I have a, um, in fact, when I interviewed Radio Silence for Scream, of yeah. one of them had the poster behind them in their home office. And I said, I have that poster up too. And they were like, I don't think we've ever met anyone who had that poster except us who made Ready or Not. But I was like, well, I needed the poster. So I, I uh, echo your sentiments. I thoroughly enjoyed Ready or Not. Very good. And that, again, uh, it's why I was confident. I had confidence that Scream 5, uh, uh, could land the plane. Anyway. Yep, yep. Uh, unfortunately, this movie is not currently on a streaming service. Um, I wonder why they don't get it on Hulu, because this is a Disney-owned movie. Uh, it was a Searchlight movie. Uh, it was on HBO Max, uh, but it's not anymore. So it, you yeah. could rent or buy it anywhere you could rent or buy. That means Henry Zerny is a Disney princess. He is. He's the most uh, beautiful and wonderful of them all. Um, 
Eric's recommendation this week is cool. Mine is dumb. Uh, this is a dumb movie. And I will say, Eric, admittedly, there's a better version of this movie. It just wasn't made. Uh, I really like the movie uh, <laughs> Mystery Men. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we've maybe mentioned it a couple times. It's definitely come up. Yeah. Uh, maybe Besides, just a, well, it a, just a, recently a came up with here and there. about uh, uh, All Star being that the, the song All Star is actually yes, from yes. this movie. <laughs> uh, Mystery Men, known for playing All Star uh, as its closing credits theme before Shrek used the song. Um, and it's the music video for All Star is like based around Mystery Men. Yes, not game. around Shrek. Sorry, Shrek stands. Um, this is from 1999. It's a sort of a uh, darkly humorous superhero movie based on no previous superhero like iterations. It's its own thing. And it's about a misfit team of superheroes. It's about people who really want to be superheroes and may may not really have an actual power, but they just mm-hmm. like dressing up in suits and costumes. Um, some kind of do have powers, but if they do, they're kind of reject powers. They're like powers nobody needs or uh, something like that. Um, it was directed by, um, uh, I don't know. what's I don't know who Kinka Usher is. I know it was his first movie. Uh, and honestly, I don't think he directed a movie afterwards. <laughs> I think he only directed commercials, directed Mystery Men, and then went back to directing commercials. It it was a box office bomb. It's only got like 60% of Rotten Tomatoes, but the cast was a big cast at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it works. I I still quote from this movie. I still think a lot of it's funny. It's strangely directed. You know, the aforementioned Kinka Usher uh, with a lot of like, it's almost directed like the opening diner scene of natural born killers except not <laughs> as satire it's sure. just that's his style where a lot of tilted cameras a lot of weird close-ups um the action isn't great uh i'm gonna stop ragging on this movie i promise because i'm recommending <laughs> it but uh yeah so it stars ben stiller hank azaria william h macy janine garofalo uh kel mitchell of keenan and kel it's got uh uh paul rubens uh, Pee Wee Herman, uh, Jeffrey Rush as an over-the-top bad guy named Casanova Frankenstein, uh, Claire Falani, uh, Eddie Izzard, Tom Waits. It's like got a great cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Kinnear, I don't think I mentioned. And the 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 premise is in the city. There's this, a fictitious city called Champion City and, that has its own Superman. It's got a, a, a handsome, charismatic, do-gooder, all-powerful superhero named Captain Amazing played by Greg Kinnear, who does a very funny thing with, as like he has a Clark Kentish alter ego named Lance. And then you've got like the sort of the rabble superheroes who are kind of wannabes. And they uh, range from a, someone who wields a shovel to someone who throws forks to, uh, to uh, a girl who has a, uh, a magic bowling ball that acts like a like boomerang and has a skull in it. So it's like them wanting to be heroes, but also wanting to sort of curry favor and suck up to Captain Amazing. And the movie is just about basically Casanova Frankenstein breaks out of prison, captures Captain Amazing. And what are the misfit heroes to do when their Superman has gone missing? Like who's going to save the city? It's going to be them. And I think this movie is a lot of fun. Um, Again, I arguably has faults, but um, I for some reason, I quote from this all the time. It's one of those things that just well, uh, has, has been on repeat. 
you're not alone at all. I saw this movie once in the theater. I remember being amused by it, but not loving it nearly as much as I wanted to, mostly because especially when it was coming out, it was like Ben Stiller and Jenny Garofalo in a superhero parody, greatest movie ever. Yeah. Um, and, then I, and then I just thought it was okay, but I will definitely say it's I'm well overdue for a revisit, especially because you're hardly alone, Matt, in that, yeah, there's a cult following for this movie. It's definitely grown in uh, respect through the years. And clearly, I mean, Everyone, you know, a million people have said this, but, you know, it seems obvious uh, that this movie was 10 years too early, uh, that this movie was opening at a time where our only like when I say are, I mean, mainstream audiences, non-comic book readers, they really had the Batman movies and not much else. And at this uh, point, what Spawn? Like, right, there wasn't right. even an, there wasn't even the first X-Men movie. So, yeah. Right. Like- and so the fact that this came out forget the mcu it came out before x-men and spider-man and daredevil and fantastic four all the pre-mcu stuff that would start to like build and build through the 2000s so it it just was too early for this type of movie uh if it had come out you know uh 2009 um it might have been better received when it came out but uh yeah uh, i I remember liking it and uh, i actually i thought many times i should watch it again because uh, many people I uh, know and respect, like you, um, are uh, mystery. Oh, members. you respect me. Mystery stands. Uh, mystery stands. Uh, <laughs> the something happened on a previous episode, and I quoted from this, and somebody on Twitter said, "Nice mystery man," or some. I think I. Sorry, forgive I me. That. I don't remember who tweeted at me, but then I said, "I think I found my next uh, good thing to enjoy." So uh, this is actually <laughs> it wasn't exactly my next one because this was a few episodes ago, but. Uh, I did get there, a uh, person whose name I forget on Twitter. Uh, forgive me. Um, this can only be, really be rented or bought, but if you have a Stars subscription, I think you can get it through various Stars means. Uh, sure. Like if you have a satellite TV that has Stars, I'm sure you can get it, uh, find it somewhere on there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's kind of like Ready or Not. Um, and speaking of Gotta Rent or Buy, our next week's main event keeping with uh, killer couples going on the road. Uh, Not on the road, just killer couples. We are keeping it uh, (laughs) pre-birth, pre-year of our birth, with 1973's uh, Badlands, uh, produced and directed and written by Terrence Malick, who... Uh, And I think, I'm trying to remember now, this might be the first movie we're doing that I've never seen. I have seen badlands so this okay. is something i've seen and you have not though i will say it's probably been 20 years i think mm-hmm. um i think you'll enjoy it uh you know terrence malick isn't for everyone this was um man was this his first or second movie uh if i don't know if uh, terrence malick is nowhere close to being a household name uh, but uh, for a while, he was hitting it big with movies like The Thin Red Line and Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, he is uh, often known for uh, his movies that don't succeed. He's he's made m- way more of those uh, than his movies that have. And he hasn't directed that many things. So no. he directed um, Badlands was his first movie. Uh, then it followed it up with uh, Days of Heaven, which I believe was a huge bomb. Then it would be, he wouldn't make another movie, Eric, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it was Thin Red Line in 1998, which I absolutely love as a movie. Uh, that movie has a crazy story behind it too, as much mm-hmm. as, as what's got cut out of it. But then he also did uh, New World, seven years later. 
he, he takes he usually was taking a long time between movies uh, that had Colin Farrell and it. it was the Pocahontas story and then Tree of Life in 2011 which got like actual Oscar noms so uh, so did Thin Red Line but then his string of movies over the past <laughs> decade has been like uh, to the wonder Knight of Cups this and they've had like Ben Affleck and Kristen Bale in them and so like, he's one of those directors who is so prestigious that he can get any actor it's just he only directs a movie once in a while and then yeah but he'll get like, anyone you know that there was a there was, his movie in 2017 was called song to song and it starred Ryan Gosling and Michael Fassbender and Natalie Portman right like I, I did not <laughs> no, literally the thin red line is the only one of his movies I've ever seen uh so yeah like he oh yeah I haven't I've not seen anything close to his uh his catalog but I have seen that new world tree of life and uh yeah I think tree of life was the last oh oh I saw I saw critters four oh did you see ghoulies go to college yeah that was that was amazing (laughs) Malik that was (laughs) really intense okay uh sorry Bonnie and Clyde uh no sorry uh Badlands uh stars (laughs) Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek and yep, it yep. is not like our main event based on a true story, but it is loosely based on the murder spree of Charles Starkweather and his girlfriend, Carolyn Fugit. Uh, Starkweather mentioned in um, Frighteners. Hmm. That was uh, one of the, the killers that uh, Johnny was trying to beat. Um, before we begin, Bonnie and Clyde, I have one quick tangent. Are you ready? is it about how much you hate blanche because i'm with you no it's not uh no is this is one of those stupid things where i i don't think a single person was like eric never paid off a setup of his but it's bothering me so i'm telling it which is i said at the top of last week oh yeah i gotta tell my oliver stone natural born killers q a story uh, that that was you know that i that was the first time i'd watched the movie in like 20 years was you know a couple years ago followed by a q a uh, and that there was a small story to the Q and A. Um, besides the I fact that you were going to tell your Carol Goldman uh, Leonard Cohen story, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I think the story there is she loves Leonard Cohen. Uh, oh. No, just uh, it was a very memorable Q and A because Oliver Stone, uh, very talented man, uh, very weird man, very egotistical man, and it was one of the only times I've been to a Q and A that was kind of um, argumentative with two of the people because it was it was it was a great Q and A. I mean, it was it was Oliver Stone, Woody Harrelson. Juliette Lewis and Don Murphy, the producer. Don Murphy, this was his first big movie. He would go on to produce all the Transformers movies and a bunch of other stuff. But um, their differing recollections of how the script kind of became discovered and turned into a movie just got weird because Don Murphy's story involved like, oh, you know, basically kind of the classic, like it was in a pile of scripts and reading. And, you know, this is the Tarantino script and reading it and being like, this is great. We need to do this. And Oliver Stone, it, it was two things. He had a different memory of it in which he was more like the hero who discovered it, but also because there's that weird tension between like Stone and Tarantino and kind of shitting on each other. So it just, it was like, because he wasn't doing it like, I remember things a little differently, Don. It was like, no. And it just, like a wow. strange thing. It sounds like your Q&A turned into a Q&A hole. <laughs> it did. And the sucky thing is, because he was being so weird and out there and like, not really pleasant uh they ended the, the well they ended the q a pretty quickly and it was totally woody harrelson who you could see was super uncomfortable and it's funny because not that woody harrelson's like a 
straight laced guy, but I just don't think he was vibing with Oliver that night, uh, which I don't blame him for. I think so, I, I, from everything I know about Woody, he's a kind and sort of like nice person who I would assume would not want to be caught up in a battle of egos on stage. And if there's yes. anyone whose memory I do not trust, it is Oliver Stone's. So ultimately, I thought, man, this would have been better if it were just Oliver Stone or everyone besides Oliver Stone, uh, because what ended up happening was what Harrelson's like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> like, like the moderator and like it, cl- it was pretty it was a very quick Q&A. And it's too bad because it was like, wow, they're all here for this movie. Uh, but then it didn't go great. So let me tell the- you about the q and I went to for Ghoulies Go to College. Terrence Malick. <laughs> Was with adamant <laughs> that he discovered the script when it was. Called. I'm the one who said Ghoulies should go to college. <laughs> it was originally it was Ghoulies go to finishing school, and I was like, no, this is bullshit. Okay, anyway, um, that's my story. That's a good story. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde from 1967. Uh, full spoilers for these two real, real <laughs> <And> people. <life. laughs> yeah. So um, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, ba- so this movie is based on two real people. Uh, during the early 30s, during the Depression era of America, which was also, uh, I did not realize, called the public enemy era. Because I guess at the time, not just the Barrow Gang, but people were just walking into banks left and right and not only robbing them, but like announcing who they were. Like, right, right. Like uh, Dillinger and a whole bunch of people like you're just like, uh, because... Uh, it was a what a blissful time it was to be a traveling criminal because it's like <laughs> all you had to go around on people are hayseeds, fuzzy memories and sketches of people who probably couldn't draw really well and lack of cooperation between uh, police departments. And you could just you could just live a happy life. Uh, of course, all the people were, I just mentioned. Uh, and di- here's, me, sec- here's me with no training, giving psychoanalysis to people from almost 100 years ago. To me, I'm guessing, you know. You have this combination of everyone's poor, like everyone just lost all their money if they had money. The Roaring Twenties ended terribly. Yeah, now everyone's poor. And you're close enough still to the cowboy era that that would still be like a thing, like the legendary outlaws that, you know, you might know your dad, certainly, you know. Uh, So there probably was a combination there of like, I got nothing. And I remember that this was a thing with like outlaws 30, 40 years ago. And uh, so you got this like this last wave of like the uh, celebrity outlaw. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Public enemy era. It was widely used in the 30s to describe individuals whose activities were seen as criminal and extremely damaging to society. Um, And so we've got John Dillinger, who I already mentioned, the Barrow Gang, Pretty Boy Floyd. Machine Gun Kelly. Now we're just saying rapper names, by the way. <laughs> well, Public Enemy. <laughs> and Public Enemy, too. Yeah. This is all just <laughs> going to turn into hip hop, uh, notably about 50 years Coolio. later. Coolio. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, and, oh, and uh, um, Babyface Nelson, right? George Babyface Nelson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, of course, there was a very famous uh, movie called Public Enemy. Yes. Um, not, ju- I'm not talking about the Johnny Depp movie. I mean the one with uh, what's his name, the over-the-top actor. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, well, top of the 31. world, Ma. Top of the world. Fuck. What's his name? Oh, well. <laughs> James Cagney. Yes. James Cagney. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, so this movie was uh, a, a historical biopic, but also took uh, many creative liberties with the actual truth. It kind of simplified the lives of Bonnie and Clyde. There was actually a lot more exploits that didn't make it to the screen. Characters that were actually the the uh, CW Moss character, uh, um, played by there Michael Jordan, yeah. uh, were like were a combination of other gang members put together. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, not every, obviously, and I think people listening would know this. What you're seeing on the screen is not exactly what all went down, and in fact, it leaves quite a bit out. And I feel like even just watching this movie, it left out a lot of their exploits because it kind of jumps around, and it's like, oh, well, they've robbed two banks. Well, in a way, more off screen, but like they yeah. were also blamed for ones they didn't do. So, but it is funny that um, this movie. Yeah, when you read about real life, it's like sometimes you're like these movies like make people bigger than life or like, oh, they're like exaggerating. But if if anything, it seems like they're under exaggerating because it went on for longer and more happened. Definitely went on for longer because uh, Buck, brother Buck joining the gang was at the end of what had already been a long run for Bonnie and Clyde and their other gang members. Right, right. Uh, uh, Buck joined during the last four months of their tenure as a gang and died right before they died. So we're getting a much, a very, uh, an abridged version that cuts out a lot of the Bonnie and Clyde uh, without Buck stuff. Mm -hmm. It's also very, very heavily influenced by the sixties French new wave cinema with, and the script was actually even offered to Jean-Luc Godard and Francois Truffaut to direct before producer Warren Beatty, who at the time wasn't even planning on starring in the movie, decided that it was going to be filmed and edited and presented like French New Wave, but it because it's Bonnie and Clyde, because it's basically a heartland starting in Texas story, it needed to have an American director. And so that's where, uh, after unsuccessfully trying to get Arthur Penn to direct, uh, finally convinced him a few years later to direct. And um, he stars in the uh, um Warren Beatty would wind up starring in the movie uh, back when he wasn't going to star in the, his, the movie. His sister, Shirley MacLaine, was uh, maybe going to play Bonnie. And um, uh, and then after her, they, you know, Jane Fonda, Tuesday Weld, Sharon Tate, uh, a lot of famous actresses of the time were offered the role. Uh, but it went to Faye Dunaway as Bonnie Parker. Let's get into this movie with its. Uh, that sometimes plays like a comedy. And then uh, again, this is very French new wave, the comedy and the uh, stark violence happening within seconds of each other, you know, and and, uh, they get the directorial choices, which again, I didn't realize why it was like that. Cause I'm like, well, this is not like American films at the time. And then it made sense. The French new wave stuff, because yeah, like extreme close ups Mm -hmm. and weird choppy editing. And there's like a shot of him early on, like chugging a soda, a bottle soda, but it's like underneath him like this tilt and stuff. Um, and it, it, it sort of feels, it definitely feels on one hand like weird, but also ahead of its time because especially American films at the time would be shot much more static than this. Um, so it's kind of disjointed in, in a odd but interesting way. I guess thinking back to like audiences in 67 looking at this, it was controversial because of the violence. This was one of the first movies that used squibs in a large way. Uh, as far as like people getting mowed down and people and you seeing those little pats of blood show up on their body, um, 
it they just didn't do that and the movies weren't violent the way they like this one was at the time and so let's say 67 we're talking what 34 years earlier was bonnie and clyde about that so that a would very be very like, busy 30 40 30 years but um, i'm saying yeah very busy but that would be like us looking at something um in like 95 or something which is bizarre um also uh, well two other things it's like okay well, one it's interesting that well actually 90 right 30 yeah yeah or so Beatty 88 pro- 87 yeah Beatty producing this um basically you know for him his career after this he become more and more a producer and director and start and rarely do movies he didn't produce or direct uh so this is kind of like like sh- rarely star in movies he didn't right produce, just just right, star right. for other people um and then also yeah the the, the whole idea that this is about um anti-heroes about people that are doing terrible things uh that the violence gets pretty extreme very much this movie is like the first 1970s movie it's just 1967 like it very much predicts where a lot of cinema will go in the 70s with a lot of movies about criminals and their violent lives and often their violent ends uh, so I, I feel like this was definitely a, a trend-setting movie in that regard, and, would, and and the fact that it got so many Oscar nominations of one, two, probably very and was a successful box office yeah. movie. And, and also, it was uh, it was one of Faye Dunaway's first roles in movies. Mm-hmm. Like I think she just started in movies that year, and then after this, she would get Thomas Crown Affair, and then Chinatown, um, Town and Inferno, stuff like that. Rather um, ridiculously attractive in this movie. Yes, yes. I, I mean, that's, you know, and, and it's pointed out in the movie by by, yes. by by Clyde, by Buck, by anyone who sees her. Um, So uh, the movie opens with uh, old timey photos and a song. And the I guess I think it's the snapping of a Kodak camera because that's sort of a big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that, like, you know, this is still of an era. It's a long time ago. It's an era that's really unrelatable to uh, all of us. But, you know, they had photos. You can Google Bonnie and Clyde and see these photos they took of each other. Um, these are real people and they are taking photos of them holding guns and on the hood of their hoods of their car and stuff like that. Um, I don't know who's in these photos, um, if it's just Depression era families or if they're actually are related to the real Bonnie and or Clyde. Um, I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, and then we get a quick uh Intro to like Bonnie, born in 1910, Clyde Barrow just released from prison for armed robbery. And then we get the, uh, as Eric mentioned, close up, uh, Faye Dunaway close up of her eyes. Just being like bored and bratty and, uh, you know, just I got to get out of this town in her in her. In her room, like if just she was, like, if she was a Disney princess, she'd be singing the song about yeah. there's got to be more to life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, oh, life before. Uh, <laughs> Well, I guess radio back then, right? That's it. Yeah. And uh, so she looks at her window and she sees Clyde Barrow trying to steal her family, her mother's car, and they get to talking. And it's sort of this, uh, this is what you call a meat cute, Eric. They <laughs> <laughs> caught him trying to steal my car. Yeah. Um, and this car. is in West Texas. Uh, sorry, West Dallas, actually. So it's in my neck of the woods here. And they would film a lot of it around here and down in Red Oak, which is a little south of Dallas. Um, and uh, then, it, yeah. Uh, so what, like, do you buy their chemistry off the bat? Do you, do you, uh, 
I could see why she would be taken with him. Yeah, yeah, I think I do. I think I do as far as like, again, we don't have like other movies might spend like a day in her life, like before, you know, um, this is very cut to the chase, right? Like we don't. Oh, see, yeah. We like, don't even see her. Like, you don't see like the boring local guy hitting on her, or, like, you know, other stuff other movies might do to be like, uh, like, you know, <laughs> um, I, I need some, some action. Um, but I think that they do sell it uh, in this very short amount of time that just how taken she is that she's just I mean, look, it's it's funny, like um, uh, True Romance and other movies, like a lot of movies will do stuff like this later. I mean, in a way, Natural Born Killers, but they do it through the skewed sitcom stuff of like just instant chemistry, like we are meant for each other. And let's just take like, you know, it's us against the world immediately. And, um, you know, he's you know, the more low key of the two, um, even though we very quickly learn he's thinks highly of himself uh, and his skills. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that, that, that she uh, sells that she's just like, even if she's not attracted to him as much as just like, yeah, like what he, you know, what he's doing, what he's representing. She's really like, like turned on by him, like just robbing a bank or robbing well, a store in front of Well, her. well, that's the thing. Like, so right out of the gate, he's like, I'm gonna he's like, Well, I'm going big or going home. So he's like, I'm robbing, and she's either gonna run away or she's gonna come with me, right? right? Like, so he robs the grocery store and like, here, look, I proved it. I saw money, and like, so they run off, and she's in, um, she's uh bought a ticket to ride, and then um, then we get into uh that Clyde is impotent. And it was interesting to note the the creative decision here because apparently in the original script, now I don't know what actually, I didn't do a dive into Bonnie right. and Clyde and who they actually were as real people, but the original script had Clyde being bisexual and it featured a three-way with uh, Bonnie Clyde and a male um, not other the, Not other the gang. version of the, not CW exactly, but a version of, a character who would have been their driver. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they decided that it wouldn't hold, it wouldn't work and that it would, it would at the time make them seem like sexual deviants on top of being criminals. Well, also and just they, like selling like the studio. Yeah. Not, and like, then yeah. there was rumors Warren Beatty didn't want to be bisexual in the movie uh, or then also, yeah, the ratings board itself. Uh, but then the, so the decision was made to, now, they, I feel like they could have just made a decision to have them be lovers, but they decided to throw a kink in it, which is that he is heterosexual, but he is impotent. And so it's never that word is never used in the movie. And he, it's such a weird, it's such an interesting choice because nothing in real life indicates this is a thing. This is not coming. It from is anything. an interesting creative choice. Like it, it makes it their bond different, right? Right. Um, and all he says is like, he, you know, she'll be kissing on him for a while and he pushes her and he's just like, I ain't much of a lover boy. And that's, you know, we get the context. I'm assuming audiences of the time get the context too, as far as like what that means. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like, you know, he's, and then he's like, he, he tells her he's not gay. It's just that, uh, yeah, he's ain't much of a lover boy. And then he, later on in the movie, when she tries and he tries too, and he and it doesn't work, he's like, "Well, at least I'm not, you know, I'm not a liar, you know, like yeah. I was." And then it does, the it does work later. It's just, yeah, it's funny that they decided to add that in. And then part of me is like, it feels like to me a couple of things here, which is one throwing like just yeah, some some weird level to their relationship just to make it interesting to add this extra layer to it. 
because like you said, they originally, they did toy with this whole bisexual threesome idea. So they, it's like, they wanted to do something different because we're doing these bigger than life characters. And they decided to go in this totally other direction. So one, it feels like that weird tendril of that. The other is the inescapable thing of the fact that isn't it preposterous that one of the most notorious ladies, man, the guy who banged his way through Hollywood, Warren Beatty. Who oh God, Warren Beatty. Yeah. Would I don't know what is... had this reputation because he's been, a, you know, so to me, it, there is the funny part of me that thinks that Warren Beatty's like, I'm not going to play a guy who'd have sex with a man, but it's so silly to imagine I can't have sex because it's so preposterous that that'll do, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, you know? That is weird. I don't know what his reputation was at this point. I think it was already there. Probably. Yeah. He's only done a few he, movies, but he'd been in show bit. Yeah, been I think TV he probably already had that. And it would, of course, the seventies, it would like, he'd be like, you know, he'd do shampoo and he'd like basically be parroting himself by that point uh, for that reputation. So that yeah, to me feels like a weird like, yeah, just a weird baby thing has the producer of this movie that he's like, isn't it silly? Like, you know, you know, I'm not playing myself. You know? He and uh, Annette Benning were regulars of mine when I managed the pizza studio city. Um, I had to well, you have you have several Warren Beatty stories. I have I don't several know Warren Beatty stories, including the time, though, I did have to drop something off. I, I worked on a movie uh, that he was in as a PA. And one time I had to drop something off at his house that Annette took from me in the driveway and she was nice and that <laughs> was a she was game. like you want to come in and watch um uh grifters with me and i'd say <laughs> yes because that's a great movie <laughs> i was just trying to think of the one movie i know she was naked in i'm sure she was naked in other movies <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even remember that uh i remember that i remember <laughs> that when i saw in the theater i remember it to this day. <laughs> Um, he said, oh, now the grifting's getting good. He's like, oh, is this what grifting really means? Is this the life of a grifter? Um, okay. Um, so basically, like, uh, I'm trying to think here. Oh, but also we should mention, like, it's like, yeah, the, the, the. He sells her on it. He's like, you hate your life. We deserve yeah. more. It's like, don't you're a knockout. Like, you deserve a nice dress. You know, mm-hmm. he's giving her the sales pitch. After he wasn't able to have sex with her, really, it's still yeah. like. But, hey. but but flashing back before that, I just want to mention, like she is so like turned on, and I mean in every sense of the term, like, and then they do this incredibly like direct uh, thing of her touching the barrel of the gun, like looking all like hot, you know, like looking <laughs> all like oh, this is so. It's like you know they don't have to have sex because this is gonna get her off, like you know, it's yeah. Like, this is, and we also get a taste of the sort of the, the comedic element here too with the banjo music as they're driving mm-hmm. off because um, I'm assuming that banjo music was just as silly in 67 as it is now. I don't know. Maybe it was like different, but it's it's silly. It sounds like um, Duke Boy's shenanigans going on. Oh, yeah. Um, and there are moments in this movie that it's, you know, it, it, it's in direct opposition to what it's happening. Oh, right? yeah. We're, we're like literally everyone's shooting their gun at once. <laughs> and, and people are getting shot and killed and then they'll play the banjo music. Also, I guess people pointed out that uh, some of the music played in this movie is like 10 years later than 1931, but it was just, it evoked oldie stuff. So they're like, whatever. It's oh, man, I would have hated to have been on uh, Bonnie and Clyde Twitter back in 1967. <laughs> How can anyone support this movie? Not my Bonnie they- and Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then they do basically they, they're he's teaching her how to shoot. They're squatting in an abandoned house, and then the uh, the actual old owners pull up, and then we get like 
the taste. Well, and that's that, also, don't forget when he says, I ain't good. I'm the best, uh, yeah. which is very uh, Mickey of Mickey and Mallory type. <laughs> it's very. Uh, I don't feel like they hammered this home enough in the movie because it sort of starts here, which is like him being the folk hero of like, we're not robbing actual people. We're robbing banks uh, because everyone, you know, the banks are taking homes. Everyone's screwed in this time. And so uh, I'm not saying they're Robin Hood because they're not giving it back to the poor or anything, but he does see himself as like a hero of the people. And 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 they are seen, I mean, again, it's not like a huge part of the movie, but uh, yeah, that big part with the, the farmer and the other farm hand who he has like help shoot up the, the house that got foreclosed on. And then the part when later on, when they are both shot and that I was going to say, I don't think that pays off until later when they, they help, they give them water and they're like, yeah, the home people again, yeah, because the movie doesn't hammer home. I think, which is fine. It's to its credit that it's the great depression. So that this, they are folk heroes simply for robbing from the banks. Cause everyone collectively is like, fuck the banks. Even though the first bank they go to like, <laughs> doesn't have any money because it failed. Right. Um, so, um, it, yeah, the first couple attempts don't go well. The bank's already at a commission. They rob a grocery store and a guy attacks him with a cleaver. That's and, a good moment. That's uh, a good, good surprise uh, moment. He, uh, uh, Clyde is so indignant to this. Uh, he's so upset after. He's like, why did he try to, again, this is him. Like, I am, why is he trying to kill me? Like, I didn't want to hurt him. I'm just after the money. Um this leads to the guy giving his first horrible sketch of Clyde Barrow and sort of like uh, this implicates Clyde and everything. And he gives uh, Bonnie a chance to leave, but she won't do it. I forget, Eric, did you see this movie before? Yes. Uh, But I I think I'd only seen the entire movie. I might be wrong. I might've seen it one time since, but I saw this movie kind of under cool circumstances, which was better part of 20 years ago. Robbing a bank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe 15 years ago, but the Chinese theater was doing a bunch of Warner brothers movies for like one of Warner brothers anniversaries. So like I got, I saw this on the Grauman's Chinese uh, for the, and it was a cool, I saw bullet, a few other movies that way uh, that I never seen. And uh, uh, it was a cool way to see it. And I really liked it. Uh, And I felt maybe I saw it one time since then, but it's been a long time. Um, Then we get uh, them meeting CW Moss and CW Moss is played by a longtime character actor. Michael J. Pollard, who would be with Warren Beatty again in Dick Tracy. I don't know if they actually, he was in another Warren Beatty movie after this, but he certainly was in every other movie because Michael J. Pollard, if you recognize his younger face, it's because you've seen his older face in so many things. But he Uh, has a baby face too, so it's all confusing. Yeah, so (laughs) everything from, you know, especially in the 80s when he was like in Roxanne and and Scrooge and um, um, Tango and Cash, Next of Mm -hmm. Kin. Dick Tracy. Oh my goodness. Everything. Uh, so yeah, he's had a lot. He was in house of a thousand corpses. Um, he is, uh, he actually just recently passed away only two years ago. Yeah. And he plays CW Moss and, uh, amalgamation of other gang members who just sort of comes on board as their driver, very green under the gills, young baby faced, uh, like guy working at a gas station. He knows station. cars is really the reason they, grab him yeah. and he's uh, the reason Brilliant. for their first like major fuck up where uh i don't know what clyde's actual past was like armed robbery he was in jail for but uh if his first actual ever murder is shooting a guy point blank in the face through a window that's pretty intense <laughs> like, uh, i mean 
in real life, again, there was so much. I mean, I don't know if you read this, Matt. It's like in real life, his first murder was a fellow inmate who apparently had sexually assaulted him. Ah, like, you know, yeah, I didn't Clyde, read that one. Um, and so his first murder was someone in prison, though then he'd murder many people outside of prison. Uh, but yes. Uh, the, and then there's the uh, the the uh, the story he tells that sort of confirmed later on with his brother that he did cut off two of his toes to get out of work detail in prison. Right. And then we learn uh, the the punchline that comes up later is that he was paroled a week later. Um, That's uh, true. Ain't life funny. So, um yeah, so uh, Michael J. Pollard joins the C.W. Moss. Uh, he mistakenly parallel parks their automobile <laughs> at a time when automobiles were even more clunky and harder to drive than they are now. And <laughs> certainly don't go very fast because you can catch up to one on foot um, yeah. pretty easily and then get shot in the face. And then they hide out in a movie theater. And uh, uh, so Clyde is upset uh, i would be too if i had to shoot uh was this one of the guards i can't remember or a bank manager in right in the face yeah and he's blaming cw for it very loudly but also it's kind of like yes he made a mistake and yes it, it wouldn't have come to that if he hadn't made a mistake but he is not he all he's you see in that moment he's also not somebody who takes responsibility for his own immediate actions like he's, it's all he can do to put it on someone else's shoulder and make CW feel bad about mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, going back just a, a <clears throat> couple, you know, very a couple scenes earlier. Also, this is where, you know, um, Bonnie is sort of elevated to now she's going in with him and they have a nice. Well, yeah, they have a driver her. now. Yeah. So, and, and us, and, and what she wants to do, and they have a nice moment. I like the moment where she, per, you know, she proclaims, we rob banks, which is what she heard him say earlier. So it's like she, again, sort of getting off the like, you know, the fact that they're celebrity criminals because they want to be, um, you know, it's like, you know, that they're going to announce themselves in such a way um, and that she'll kind of uh, repeat the things that he had said because, uh, yeah, she's into that. So um, this is when they try to have sex again and uh, it is unsuccessful. And he says, at least I ain't a liar. And then we get um, the introduction of Gene Hackman as uh, Clyde's rowdy older brother, Buck. And this isn't Gene's first movie, but it's pretty close to it mm-hmm. uh, for somebody who would go on to have a long, long career. And I think he was screen. like 37, but he already looked about 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this was uh, he'd been doing a few movies and this was certainly his uh uh, his uh, I don't know if I don't even know the history enough to call it his breakthrough, but he did get nominated for an Academy Award for well, it. So all five of the main actors of this movie got nominated, which is pretty amazing. I would say um, that uh, here's a, I have an interesting question. Oh, so Estelle Parsons, who I knew growing up as the mom on Roseanne. Right. Same here. Estelle Parsons played his wife, Blanche, who uh, I am the founder and president of the anti Blanche uh, faction. Well, uh, well uh, Estelle Parsons, who has played uh, Roseanne's mom, uh, has recently has the Connors. Yeah, she's on the Connors as well. Yeah, and she is ninety four. <laughs> and so uh, it's funny because Hackman's ninety two and he's retired, but Estelle Parsons. I want to know, Eric. I want to know how Gene Hackman. Let's take Gene Hackman and Warren Beatty. Gene Hackman retired, what, 15 years ago? What was his last movie? It was a while. It was something wow. stupid like Welcome to Mooseport. Right, right. Uh, Warren Beatty, though, like, um, 
you, as we mentioned, hot in the sixties and seventies, did some stuff in the eighties, you know, uh, Bugsy was a big, uh, Oscar thing. Then like did three more movies. And, and I guess he made a movie in 2016. I had no idea about, but before that it was the one you worked on in 2001 town and country yeah. or in 2000, at least, um, how these guys can just retire from movie making mm-hmm. and doing things while Bruce Willis right, has right. to make seven movies a year of these crappy red box movies <laughs> uh, straight, to, straight to grocery store dispensaries uh, of these really low budget actioners. And like what, what, how, like what lifestyle is he living that he needs it's weird this money? Because, like, what does he, he know? Who does he owe? Who does he we owe? know Nicolas Cage had serious financial issues and that led to him doing a bunch of those kind of movies. I would argue, though, that Nicolas Cage, his every fifth movie of him is usually pretty great. No, no, there, there's two things. Whereas there's Bruce things. Willis is no, like, There's that and there's the fact that every one of his movies, he's trying something, you know, he's, he's there. Well, um, Bruce Willis is absolutely sleepwalking and <laughs> right. using a body double most of the time so yeah, yeah i don't know like as bruce willis kept quiet serious financial issues and if he doesn't have serious financial issues why do these movies like why not just yeah pull a hackman and just not like just not do anything else if he doesn't want to be doing it which he clearly doesn't based on his uh, performances uh yeah it's a weird one yeah uh, anyway i was just thinking about that watching this movie because because of hackman and Beatty, uh who both like basically stop doing just stop doing things right? and only doing things if they really really want to but not because they need to yeah and Beatty even early because Beatty yeah like we said it's like he turned to producing and directing his own projects and then never was like there was never like a Warren Beatty movie a year it was just always like every few years if he decided that he wanted to do something you know um so all right yeah, he, he must have invested wisely and uh that's what um, I mean like yeah, yeah. uh weird. someone needs to teach uh Bruce Willis Money management. <laughs> Apparently. All right. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde. So now we've got uh, Buck and Blanche. And Blanche at first is very just standoffish and sort of prudish. And little did I know and, that she would uh, turn it. I mean, I knew because I've seen this movie before. But she turns into the embodiment of a Jonah Krakow. Shut up. Like to the point where people, <laughs> other characters in the movie are telling her to shut well, up constantly. Bonnie hates her immediately though. Yeah. Like Bonnie. Well, is, it's also is, because she hates Bonnie immediately. So it's, yeah. it's sort of reciprocal. Uh, they both just do not care for each other. They're both different. Maybe she's intimidated by, you know, by uh, Bonnie's attractiveness and uh, assertiveness while uh Bonnie just resents her sort of her her modesty, which maybe she thinks is false modesty and uh, and her judgmental attitude and, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but so they like meet up with Buck and Blanche and Buck himself is an ex-con and they just kind of go on like a, they're, you know, Clyde's wanted. Um, I think the whole gang is wanted at this point. And so they go to like they like rent a home to have <laughs> to go on a vacation, like a staycation. It's kind of <laughs> like an Airbnb. Like they give them, yeah. they go to, I think, I don't know, can't remember if they're like in Missouri at this point. Uh, Buck picks up the phone, gets an Amazon fresh delivery of like pork chops. <laughs> sure. And they sit around playing chess. Oh, it's, it sounds so, so awful. Between Blanche's attitude and the volume of her voice, and Bonnie forcing everyone to listen to her awful short story. <laughs> it sounds 
like an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> well, I was, and, but and, but beside I me, mean, uh, uh, her short story aside, uh, Bonnie is hating it too. Like Bonnie, yeah, she, hates so it. she hates it. Bored. Uh, um, this is not this is not the action lifestyle. Buck she is wants. loud. Blanche is loud, and uh, Clyde isn't really loud. He's trying to play peacemaker, yeah. uh, starring John Cena in the middle, and like like smooth things over whenever the two women have a problem with each other. Um, and like, you know, basically it's like, he's the one who gets them to listen to her story and Buck's like making fun of it. And, but thankfully breaking up this absolutely awful living situation are the cops (laughs) who just show up (laughs) and open fire on the entire house. (laughs) And this is when Blanche goes completely, uh, goes to the full Blanche and just is like, ah, and like basically like gives them away and to the point where, and, you know, and so again, to Bonnie's credit in, in this whole um, dangerous endeavor, she's firing out the window along with everyone. And that's why like later on, there's such a point of contention when Blanche wants her cut because she's not doing anything. Right. Uh, she's there. Well, no, she, because and then also, like everyone else, but she's then, not then, going on the road. The I mean, then on the road, it's not just that, Bonnie's part of like defending them. Uh, it's that, you know, Bonnie does the bank robberies and yeah, Blanche... she goes in, she goes yeah. in with them. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people get killed. Cops get killed at this point. Buck's killing them. Everyone's killing them. Blanche takes off down the street, like a dog scared by lightning. Uh, they just have to like grab her and pull her into the car. Mm-hmm. And then we get, uh, I don't know how, what the time difference is here, but um, what maybe a month, a couple months later, but at this point, we cut to them reading about their exploits in the papers, which you get the feeling that they've done a lot in this time, but also they're being blamed for things they didn't do. Right. And uh, um, sort of a, a, a commentary about, you know, the, the uh, exaggeration of media and, you know, also about just the misinformation at the time. Like there, a lot of times the newspapers are just going on uh, bad information because it's all a game of telephone back then. And I don't no, mean no actual one, telephone. No one's got a camera phone, guys. No so one's got anything. Very few people have a camera. So <laughs> they, and then we they. get to the uh, Frank Hamer scene. Now, Frank mm-hmm. Hamer is the Texas Ranger who is played by Kevin Costner. No, uh, Woody Harrelson. No, oh, no you're Kevin right. You're Costner. right. Sorry. Costner. Costner plays Hamer. You're right. He plays Hamer, who's a Texas Ranger, who in reality was called out of retirement to go find Bonnie and Clyde. Costner plays him in The Highwayman, not in this film. No, no, yeah. I said The Highwayman. No, yeah. And uh, the real Frank Hamer actually tried to sue this movie with based on his portrayal because it wasn't, he wasn't portrayed right. Not only was he portrayed, he was portrayed as somebody who was bounty hunting, like going after them and not on ranger duty, which apparently he actually was on ranger duty. Uh, but the whole thing with them taking his picture and humiliating him never happened. Right. Right. So like they, they soup that up for the movie and then it, and then it became, he had a vendetta against them and Hamer, the real Hamer didn't like that either. Like he was after them because they had made fun of him and like made him look like a fool. Um, so it, it makes me more interested to look at the highwaymen again. Um, it's not a documentary or anything, but I, I think we'll get a much since Hamer's the lead of that movie. I'm assuming it's a much different portrayal. Yeah. It's also funny that, you know, again, how, you know, a lot of these movies work were based on true events. Cause it's like their photos 
are, you know, the fact that they took these a bunch of photos is a real thing. And they're famous photos that a lot of them are recreated in the movie as far as like them posing with guns. And like the fact that they were, again, playing up that like we are celebrity criminals um, and would do these these pictures. And there's real pictures of Bonnie and Clyde that you can see that look very similar to the ones they do in the movie. But in the movie, but the movie extends it to this whole thing with this Texas Ranger that didn't happen of like forcing him to take photos with them. Uh, yeah. so it's like it, it's 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 and like it's, she know, kisses him and he spits in her face and yeah and then we um, should mention that it's uncle jesse uh that uh oh uh, god it is it's uh denver pile that's uh, awesome who for our generation unrecognizable have, unrecognizable which is crazy because this is like 10 years before dukes of hazard this is not 30 years before dukes of hazard but uh for if you're our age and you grew up so like by 1979 this guy was going to be looking like full like backwards santa claus yes yes for (laughs) wow Um, okay okay yeah so that's uncle jesse i see it now in my head i absolutely see it um Mm -hmm. uh denver pile which is like uh that's right i thought that name sounded familiar on the wiki page i should have just clicked on it because denver (laughs) pile i was thinking maybe i was just thinking of gomer pile the old series but um Okay, so now um, let's see where, where's their next stop. Uh, they this is when they actually do do the bank robbery. Bonnie's in there. Gene Hackman leaps over that bank thing. I don't know those fucking feet of gymnastics there. And then they announce themselves as the Barrow Gang. And uh, uh, then at this point, as far as the fame goes, the people are all interviewed by the newspapers afterwards, and a cop's interviewed. And, and this seemed uh, cinematically, I thought this was really interesting and cool and ahead of its time. The the cutting between the chase as they flee and people being questioned and the people posing with their bullet hole. Well, this um, felt very. This felt the most like satire. This was mm-hmm. like the the silly music and the shooting. And the media, and this was the closest this movie got to natural born killers. Yeah, like, and, and the people left in their wake who were excited that they were like encountered them, and yeah, yeah, they're like, uh, I, we're not mass murderers or anything, and we totally value human life. But if we were going to be serial killers, we'd be Mickey and Mallory. Yeah, I, I mean, like- that's the crazy thing. I mean, we should just mention it's just a f- interesting thing about like, you know if when you read about Bonnie and Clyde, it's like you know. It, it, it is the closest, you know, certainly we'll ever get again, probably to a real life Mickey and Mallory as far as like, yeah, that they were like strange, like folk heroes, or if not folk heroes, just folk, you know, they were, they were real people, but that especially because the era and the fact that there couldn't be very credible accounts. It all I mean, we did, we life. did get a new Bonnie and Clyde in 2003. I told you already with Jay-Z and Beyonce, but we did get that. Yes. Uh, because, you know, look again, it's like, yes, these, these in real life were terrible people who the, the Barrow game, it's, it's very hard to account for who actually killed who, um, whether Bonnie ever killed anyone is in dispute and we'll never know. Um, but, you know, the Barrow gang killed nine cops and four civilians, I believe. Uh, so it's like, you know, these were just murderers. <laughs> like, these just, just killed a bunch of yeah. people. And, but, uh, uh, I mean, it's not, anyway, it's not anything close to Mickey and Mallory's 52 well, people. But, no, you know, like, <laughs> but they were uh, dealing in the 1930s, Matt. So. I know there was uh, fewer people. So it's, a, you know, if we adjust for inflation, it's about way more people. spread out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, uh, uh, oh, and in a uh, speaking of Uncle Jesse, in a total Duke boy move, uh, the cops will not cross over into Oklahoma. Uh, that is actually something that's that's a real thing where uh, jurisdiction 
they would be out of their jurisdiction to arrest them and they are not risking their lives. And I believe I read so much last night that it's all a blur, but that was a real thing at the time. And also it was shortly after Bonnie and Clyde that robbing a bank became a federal crime that like the FBI might be involved. Right. That they can yeah. actually chase them on a national level. Uh, right. And then, I mean, because the first time you and I were introduced to anything close to that was on Dukes of Hazard when they wouldn't cross county yes. lines. That's that's right. Um, all right. It was the um, sheriff in the next county we saw once in a while. Yeah, he was always uh, angry because he was trying to get them. And then they go back into Hazard. <laughs> right. Um, all I know is that w- show and their car is aged great. <laughs> Everything is wonderful. <laughs> uh, you tweeted a little bit about this. Uh, we, now we get to uh, Gene Fest uh, 67. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which was the best year for Gene Fest. Uh, if, you, if you look at the lineup, uh, we got Gene Hackman in one of his first four or five film roles. And then the first ever film role for someone who would also become hugely successful in the 70s, uh, Gene Wilder. Who the same year the producers would come out. So, oh, was it? I thought it was the next year. Okay, same year. Uh, but yeah, so the, he was the, about the, this, to break he huge. Did this, too. He did this first. Yeah. And, but, but this was also a hugely notable, successful film that got a lot of nominations yep. at the Academy Awards. So he was in two winners. And when he's in the car with Velma and them, it doesn't feel as much of a comedy. There's comedic beats. He's like, Oh, this isn't my burger. And then he finds out she's 33. Like there's these like punch, there's like little zingers in there, but the way he reacts when he's initially chasing them because they stole his car. Right. And he's just like, so livid. It seems like a comedy. He's like, I'm going to give, you know, like, (laughs) I was like, does he think he's in a screwball comedy at this point? Because that's what it feels like. Uh, amusing scene, especially when they turn around and start chasing him. Uh, and then they actually kidnap them. Uh, do you know why she kicks him out? Because he says he's an undertaker. Only, I think, thematically, this begins something in the movie, which is her sensing, really starting more and more to think about how they're 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 ending they're heading towards a bad ending Um, okay i didn't know if she was gonna say like my father was an undertaker and he used to beat me i don't know he's based on a real per this really there was a version of this really happened with a couple more than once i guess they kidnapped real people and would be really friendly with to them again there was a there was the dichotomy of them because they killed people including civilians but sometimes they would just do these like I don't think they actually drove up on people and just murdered. I think no, it was no, no, always no. in the it was trying to get out of yeah, getting out of a bank robbery or something. Matt, they weren't Matt Mickey and Mallory speaking in, in the defense. No. Um, I guess you mean no. Um, but the, the, so this is based on a very specific thing though, which is there was a couple whose car they stole and they took the people to and were very friendly with them. And this this thing happened, I guess, in real life. The story is she said what do you do he said i'm an undertaker and she said maybe one day you'll be working for me and the crazy thing is matt he was there for when they were brought to the morgue like womp womp yeah this guy uh that's your like tales from the crypt or twilight zone ending in the movie i think this definitely begins a whole subplot or theme for her because shortly after this is the stuff with her mom yeah after this she misses home and she sort of runs off into the field in real life it sounds like because in real life she wasn't freaked out by him saying he's undertaker and in real life i guess both of them would make a lot of dark jokes about how they're gonna die soon but in the movie 
it's like she's start. this is the turning point for her of it's been fun it's been fun and then starting to realize we're heading towards something grim there's no way out of this um begins with i think him saying i'm an undertaker and then we kind of see it more and more with you know um her mom right after that kind of saying uh oh yeah that's right the quote i put of her mom saying uh, you try and live three miles from me and you won't live long, honey. And basically her realization that her life is over, uh, you know, that you know, she, yeah, she, she did, well, ended all, her life. Basically all the things that Clyde promised her, it's like, hey, you want to go into a fancy restaurant? You want to live somewhere cool? You want to do all these things? It's like all of it was unattainable to her. She right. was always going to be on the run, being in a temporary housing, uh, looking over her shoulder. She was never going to get a chance to wear a nice dress in a fancy restaurant because she was... Uh, uh, you know, wanted by every cop within, you know, a thousand miles. So, right, right. Because um, that same scene, uh, I, I, it's a good scene. And I was putting a bunch of quotes down because right before the part I just said is like when he says, uh, he's all jovial saying, uh, oh, we ain't headed towards nowhere. We're just running from. And they cut to her not liking that because it's like, yeah, our life is now just about not being caught. Like that is the only thing we have now and there's no way out of that because either we're caught or we keep running but yeah there's no there's no settling down there's no you know other than this um so interestingly enough i i looked up the mom because she didn't seem like an actress so i was like Mm -hmm. is this faye dunaway's real mom is who is this and it turns out (laughs) she was a school teacher in red oak texas where they were filming that scene and she was watching them set up production and she drew the attention of the filmmakers and she cast, she was cast right there to be Bonnie's mom. I don't know what their plan was otherwise, right, right. Uh, but she literally Did they fire like was, some famous actress who's yeah. like supposed to play her? They literally Sorry. were uh, <laughs> just, she was just a woman from town. And that's why, uh, and, but I, but I really liked her naturalness. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was interesting because, because Bonnie and Clyde are so theatrical and they feel like such they're from such a different world as the rest of the populace at the time mm-hmm. that uh, like to have her mom feel so, so salt of the earth that she's an awful actress uh, actually works <laughs> in that scene. So, right. Right. I was thinking of like, yeah, how like Bonnie and Clyde are like stylized and whatnot. We should mention, uh, especially, I mean, both of them, I mean, they're both very attractive people um, dressed to the nines, but Bonnie's look, which is 100% based on the photos of the real Bonnie, that beret, but how Faye Dunaway, gorgeous Faye Dunaway in a huge hit movie dressed like that would become a like huge like influence both on real life fashion, but also the like the the Bonnie look and Clyde, but again, to a lesser extent, because that's just kind of Clyde is dressed like the cliche of an old time gangster uh, with the hat. But the Bonnie look, especially, it's like you know, people will dress like that all the time. As far as like, I'm a '30s criminal, and they're really dressed like Bonnie, Bonnie Parker, yeah, yeah, um, and the Faye Dunaway version of Bonnie Parker, which is based on the real one. Um, it was funny in fact last night, Matt, because when I googled something about Bonnie Parker beret, and one of the articles that came up was like how Bonnie Parker became a fashion icon. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like that's know, but, Weird Al's <laughs> parody that Prince wouldn't let him do. Bonnie Parker beret. There you go. It got pretty dark. Oh God, I lied so hard. I was like, the Bonnie and Clyde episode will not be two hours. Well, guess what? Um, so uh, it's a big Oscar-nominated movie, man. Right, right after this, things get well. You know, 
Bonnie's already sort of spiraling, but after this, everything. And, goes and the one shit. other thing I want to mention at this point, because it's especially as we go into you know into the end game here, um, is Blanche. I do like the subtle thing they do with Blanche, which is because Blanche is useless. Blanche wants money for doing nothing, but Blanche starts to carry herself a little cooler. She's dressing a little snazzier. She wears the sunglasses the buck stole off someone all the time. So she's kind of likes the trappings of it a little bit, but she, she does, but she's yeah. also still completely useless. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, she, there's actually, she and CW get an actual moment together in the car where she gets to, they get to talk to each other like normal people outside of the louder bank robber people. Um, Interesting, by the way, Estelle Parsons, the only actor to win an Oscar for this movie. All five of them were nominated. Oh, God, she shrieked so much, especially when she went blind. <laughs> she got even louder. <laughs> she understood the assignment, Matt, oh, as the kids would say. But uh, yeah, it is funny that she playing like the least uh, likable character. It's not a oh bad performance. But, shut the fuck up, Blanche. But, uh, yes, but Blanche won't shut the fuck up, but, but Estelle won the Oscar. So, uh, but then somebody sees CW's gun and then all of a sudden they're surrounded by cops now with grenades and like an armored tank car of the era that well, looks. But Bonnie and Clyde have the grenades. The, the cops have the tank car. Oh, that's Bonnie... right. I just wrote yeah. grenades. So I was like, okay, so yeah, now it's like a full on, like everyone is way more armed to the teeth that mm-hmm. like everything escalates. They go from pistols and then eventually they get Tommy guns and, and so on. And now the grenades and the cops have a tank and, this is when, and I will uh, say, when Bonnie and Clyde were were killed, their real car, they had like an arsenal in the trunk. Like they had like I've seen like the picture of like all the guns and ammo they had, and it, it was a lot. It was yeah, like it was from quite a, a bit. And then we get a uh, Buck is shot in the head. Blanche is shot somehow, like in the face of the eye, but it causes her to lose her sight, uh, and it causes the volume of her voice to go up several <laughs> several notches on the dial. And um, then it comes, then they're just doing their best to try to hide out in a field, but come morning time, they're surrounded and there's just more shooting and Clyde's hit and Bonnie's hit and Buck finally dies. Yeah. And Buck, I mean, because Buck is like shot in the head and he's all fucked up anyway. So, yeah. And yeah. And Blanche is screaming. This is really intense. Yeah. Like when, when Bonnie gets shot in the shoulder, like it's like, oh, okay. And this Clyde is, carries her. Yeah. 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 It's like, cause he's, and he's already shot at that point. So yeah, this, this is getting pretty. And again, definitely ahead of his time. Uh, uh, as far as like, you know, the, the, the bloody violence that's occurring here was not a normal thing in a mainstream movie uh, to be occurring. Well, Blanche's uh, punishment is that she gets to go to prison and be blind after all of this. So that's what I see. And, and uh, Uncle Jesse uh, ghosts her. He he gets her talking and just. Uh, oh, yeah. He doesn't. Off. You know, she can't see who he is. Um, and he gets her she, to give up CW's name, which is all he cares about. And then he so leaves. an interesting element here, because Bonnie and Clyde, uh, after they uh, get water and aid from the sort of homeless encampment of like farmers who lost their 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 homesteads. Uh, they go to CW CW's father's house and CW finally comes home after all this time. And an interesting swerve here with CW's dad is that he is all chuckles and grins with Bonnie and Clyde in a way that we would come to expect like, Hey, these guys are cool. They, you know, they're just hardworking people. Everyone's trying to make a buck now who can blame them. Uh, Cops suck. Banks suck. Like, um, so he's a fan. And he's happy to see his son. But as soon as they get inside, he, uh, 
he was just putting on an act, which I was like, yeah. that is very complicated psychology for like <laughs> what it seems to be like a poor dirt farmer of the time. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like as soon as he gets him inside, he ch- he just rakes CW over the coals for everything he's done. Throws mostly, a bunch of food on his shirt. Mostly specifically the tattoo. Like he seems, oh, murders are, are bad, but the worst thing is seems CW. That, that felt very real to me only because I can only imagine a <laughs> 1930s, like, you know, bumfuck guy. Also, it, it, is a ter- it is a pretty terrible tattoo. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone to my guy. Yeah, so what's happened to me? Uh, what did you get a dragon spitting flames? Um, <laughs> I would have been so metal. He's get get a Game of Thrones tattoo. Says Dark Wings, Dark Word. That's right. I do have it in my notes that like yeah, the the most sort of this like like whoa use of the the silly um, banjo music is after everyone's shot and they're getting away. It just it was like because it's like you know people with Bucks dead, Bonnie and Clyde are both shot. <laughs> um, uh, but the uh, no no no. But again, it seems like that was obviously an intentional choice. So we're in the end game now uh, as they're recuperating and healing from their horrible gunshot wounds at the Moss residence. Um, Blanche, uh, sorry, Bonnie writes, uh, writes a poem, uses her mm-hmm. creative writing skills. She's owned on the road to write a poem. They actually send it to uh, the, you know, local outlets. It gets printed the story of Bonnie and Clyde and which she Clyde. wrote in real life, but did not send. They found it like the photos. They yeah. found a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cl- Clyde is over the moon about this. This is everything he's always wanted. And it, it, it's so much so that he's able to perform the sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, I wonder like at that point, I don't, do you think it was ego? Like, do you think it works for the movie? Like that he's, uh, overcomes his impotence in that moment. I don't know. It, it's a weird. It's it's. I, I'm torn about this whole thing, especially because it wasn't based on. It's such an interesting, weird thing to add to this guy who has a lot already in real life to include to put this thing that is not based on real life. I just him. wonder if there was conver- like what the creative conversations were. It's like, right, well, they can't right. die without having sex or something right. like that. Like, I mean, it look, is it for I the mean, audience? Is it yeah. for Beatty's ego? Like what? I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, it's weird. I mean, cause you don't, you don't even need that. Although it ties into this sort of their last, um, let's try to pretend we can have a happy ending, you know, cause then he talks about getting married. And, you know, it's like, you know, once more, like we let's let's f- try to fool ourselves that there's any way this doesn't end with jail or death. You yeah. know, for she t- she tells him she's like, you did just perfect, but he was probably pretty terrible. Right. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, probably like yeah, nobody's yeah. no nobody's buying that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, and then it's then it's basically um, CW's dad cuts a deal with Hamer to get a reduced sentence or just a lighter sentence for CW. All he has to do is not get back in the car with them. And so it's sort of that long, like final five minutes, the tension drawn out of like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it probably, you know, it works really well. I'm assuming like just that everyone's on the edge of their seats in the theaters in 67, like as they're doing the little things, like he's got the sunglasses with one lens popped out and she's looking over her shoulder and there's a cop across the street and CW won't come out of the building. And like, so it always just creates this atmosphere of unease because we know it's coming. Um, every, you know, um, and it feels like, it feels like they know it's coming too. Like just the general vibe in the air is just like, something's off. 
Uh, yeah, and again, I mean, especially her, because again, the last third of the movie is kind of her feeling more ominous. And even when he says, when he talks about getting married, she cries and it doesn't seem like it's happy tears. It's more like she knows that's still a lie. Um, yeah. You know, the, the idea of that. So I, I think definitely we're supposed to think she, she knows this is coming um, and, and has for a while. Uh, and then the fact that CW's dad is like an active part of it. It's not just that he set it up. It's like he's. Uh, no, he's like the distraction. Yeah, 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 in the yeah, middle so of the road. And then we get a very, very famous, the very famous violent end of this movie, The Death of Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, yeah, just one of those, when you see like montages of famous mo- moments in the 100 years mm-hmm. of cinema, like this is one of them. And just really goes all out with the violence. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we are... Uh, um, Violence is old hat to us yes, here in 2021 in movies and television. And it's really hard to like actually do something that's uh, startling and unnerving for mm-hmm. us at this point. That's just not straight up torture porn. Uh, at the time, this was absolutely jaw dropping. Yeah, and it must have been movie. really jaw dropping because it's the comedy seeing it, seeing it all because you just weren't used to that level of. Uh, depiction of violence again because we're, you know there'd been a million cowboy movies where people were shot and killed but it was bloodless um so the level of violence the fact they're shot so many times the fact that they use a bunch of squibs so it's bloody and the fact that it's the very end of the movie it's the two beautiful stars of the movie like i'm sure this fucked up like you know, even butch and sundance yeah. like they like n- we didn't see it's more scene where they mow down it's, it's more romanticized yeah. like yeah this is like literally uh uh it's also literally the end because right after they their bodies drop which is like, a thing of a thing of that era you're just yeah, movie's the done. movie's <laughs> over um but but i mean like a movie can end with no credits but uh it like they could have had an actual extra scene of cops talking or something right. or someone or a dirt farmer talking to the press or anything yeah or literally CW. ends yeah. with their uh their the gunning down of, of bonnie and clyde using yeah. a uh uh, ridiculous amount of bullets, mm-hmm. which which is based on facts. Like, yeah, they were, oh, they were. They, 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 in they fact, totally it became it became controversial. Like, even at the time, the fact that they weren't given a chance to surrender was brought. Like, you know, it it actually did that hurt the reputation of the real Frank Hamer um, and stuff. It's like that they it sounded like you know, oh, you should have given them a chance to surrender. Yeah, uh, it's that, not stop, come out, and they and then they pull guns and they shoot. It's like yeah. no, we need to trap them so we can literally mow them down like assassins. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess in real life, it was almost even worse because, I mean, well, it's, I don't know about even worse. Just, in, in no, that's, life, a, that's the name of a weird ally. Right, yes. In real life, they didn't even get out of, you know, in the movie, he gets out of the car to help. In real life, I guess he had slowed down his car, um, but they were both in the car and just shot. Like, again, yeah, no warning. No, like, uh, this is definitely, yeah, there, there'd be some controversy on the news about this one. Um, I happened. mean, it would last a day. But yeah, sure, sure. Uh, well, yeah, the cycle, the cycle. Yeah. Um, I did not realize, Matt, until recently, um, that the car is in prim and driving. We we could have gone and looked at oh, it. Oh, in, in Nevada. Well, yeah, uh, the first city when you pass into um, Nevada, oh, 15, the first, yeah, the first place you can gamble um, is where Bonnie and Clyde's car is as a tourist attraction. Uh, kind of grimly want to check it out um, and may do so the next time I, I go. There. Yeah, uh, um, we should mention the first time you enter, you, first place you can gamble entering from like your drive from LA uh, yeah. into mm-hmm. Nevada. All right. 
uh, cinema classic, Oscar winning movie. I, I really Clyde. Like what? This movie, yeah. Yeah. What? What? So what all did it win for? Let's check it out. So Estelle Parsons. Cinematography. Uh, it only won two. Um, cinematography and, and Estelle Parsons for Best Supporting Actress. But yeah, nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress. Two supporting Be- actors. Two supporting actors. Cancel each other out, probably. Yeah. Um, Greenplay. Costumes. costumes. Oh, yeah. Well, she costume. became a fashion icon. Yeah. I know. I know. It's still to this day. Um, uh, Halloween 2018. They dress as Bonnie and Clyde, but they do the reverse sex thing to uh, have some fun with it. Um, oh, I, well, um, uh, Faye Dunaway won a BAFTA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah, this movie made her a star. Um, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, uh, known to uh, younger audiences for reading the wrong Best Picture winner at the Oscars <laughs> a few years ago. When it was, in fact, Moonlight and not yes, La La but It Land. wasn't their fault. Um, it was the, That's the I, real story of Bonnie and Clyde. Right. That was the sequel we never got. Uh, uh, now, I really uh, like this movie. Uh, I remember, like I said, when I saw the Chinese, I really liked it. I was actually thrown a bit when I watched it last night just because I'd forgotten the unusual sort of direction and those close-ups and stuff, which are kind of jarring early on. Um, but I actually also appreciated it for like doing something so, so against the grain in American films at the time. Uh, and yeah. Really and just to remember, this was sort of how Natural Born Killers was, was supposed to end because the Mickey and Mallory was supposed to get killed originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bonnie and Clyde ends with them both dead in a heap. And their, and, their brightness disappeared. Uh, is a, um, and then uh, I thought about how funny it is that in another movie we've done on this podcast in Bride of Chucky, when it's there's that line about Mickey and Mallory, Bonnie and Clyde, they were killers. Like like uh, that movie equates uh, real killers and fictional killers, but they're both famous from movies. Yeah, real talk though. Eric and I were when we were coming up with killer couple movies. Obviously, we're like Bride of Chucky, and Eric was like, "We'll just do it again. We'll just do right. Bride of Chucky again." <laughs> right. And then we we were saying we should keep doing Bride of Chucky, like find different ways that we can fit it into different th- themes, and somehow just keep getting Liv Morgan back. And she's like, "I, right. I have nothing more to say about this movie now. I hate it." Yeah. <laughs> it's time number six, right? Thank Chucky. you for making me hate my favorite movies. <laughs> We don't want to do that. All right. That movie was literally the end. And now we will literally end this podcast. Oh. <laughs> okay. Just the podcast. Yeah. Just this episode. <laughs> just this episode. Okay. Not uh, the the series, not the podcast in general or our lives. Just this episode. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the, uh, how do they make us wake three more weeks for the uh, assembled episode of Hawkeye Despair. Uh, uh, all right. Until next time, everything is possible. But nothing is real except Bonnie and Clyde because they were real people and Shakma. Shakma. Shakma!